Come on, let's clap our hands for Jesus. It's all about him. <laughs> we will need him with this topic. Come on. Uh, it, it is a great day to be alive, and it's such an honor to be here. I uh, love this church. I, I do feel at home here. And so we love what God is doing uh, with, with the vision and the heartbeat of this church to reach this community and, and to make a big difference for the cause of Christ uh, being the hands and feet of Jesus. You represent that. You're known for that uh, as a church at every campus and all those watching online. You're known for being the hands and feet of Jesus. We've learned so much from you guys in serving people and generosity, doing everything you can to, to reach out to people that are, that are in situations like you're doing for Louisiana, and I appreciate that. I've been on the phone all week long with different friends, and we served there and pastored there for all of those years. And uh, matter of fact, some, uh, some of our closest friends, Johnny and Kathy Guitars, are here. And they, in the early days of Healing Place, there would have been no church if it wasn't for a couple like that who stood with us. Don't you thank God for friends? Come on, somebody. You were those guys for us. And uh, just thinking about that, how much you, you meant to us and still do. And so uh, great things are happening even in the midst of the pain there in Louisiana. I was talking to pastors yesterday and just how even in these moments in the loss and the tragedy, we had eight family members in Delenn's side of the family who their, their homes got water in them uh, four and five feet. And so you've, you've been through things, so you know what those things are like. So we'll be spending a lot of time in Louisiana over the next a uh, few months and uh, get to help uh, work with pastors who are playing churches that want to do this. And so that's one of the things that we get to be a part of too. And your, and your pastors in your church are so a part of it. We plant churches and we get together with churches like this and we give and we pool our resources so that other couples have a dream in their heart to, to launch a, a life-giving church in a community to reach people. Matter of fact, this fall will be our largest plant church planting season uh, we'll plant over 51 churches this fall, and on September the 18th, which is a cool day, uh, we'll plant 36 churches just that day alone. And so a lot of neat things are happening we get to be a part of, and um, so we just appreciate you. Thank God for Pastor Jerry. We've known each other for years and have similar hearts for missions and the world and making a difference, serving people, and then to get to know the team here. You have a fantastic team at every campus and the support team here, and then to just watch how God is, is using Pastor Trey. And brother looking good, I'll tell you that. I think brother, I think brother Jerry has given him all his looks because brother Jerry's are leaving and Trey's are getting better, and so that's kind of how it works here in this situation. And so uh, great things are happening uh, just love what what the opportunity to to dive into the idea of you ask for it. Uh, you ask for it. I know Pastor Jerry is going to be talking next week on the end times. So if you have any questions about the book of Revelation, he will be answering every single one of them next weekend. Okay. But I've got a doozy of a topic, spiritual warfare, because it is real, it is alive, things are happening. So we're going to talk about that. I love a church that's not afraid to answer the questions that you have and is not afraid to help you as, as you settle things in your own heart and then as you help other people that you come in contact with. And that's what this church is about. That's what we're about. Uh, our family's doing well. It is tough being LSU fans living in Birmingham, Alabama, I'm telling you. And that's where we're at. We're living in Birmingham. Uh, yeah, and, and, and we just have to, we, you know, we, we look forward to the year, but we know it's another year with less miles. Come on, somebody. We're going to be doing a lot of praying uh, as a team. But our family's doing well. Our family's growing up. And I do feel at home here. I've been here several 
several times. And uh, with being Italian, my wife is Cajun. You kind of make yourself at home everywhere you go. That's just how it works. I'll show you a picture of our family. It's a recent picture. That is my daughter Daughter on, on your left. She just graduated from LSU, and she, her name is McCall. She's joined the, the Church of the Highlands team there and, and our, our students. And then that's my son, Dylan. He played football for a year down in Florida, but uh, we got him back in Birmingham. He's going to go to school in Birmingham. So we got everybody back in Birmingham. And then that's our baby girl, uh, Isabella. When you're Italian, you want to name one Bella. Isabella, Bella. And that's our baby girl. She's six, getting ready to be 16. So she's ruling the world. And her whole life is cheer. She, so I'm a, I'm a full-on cheer dad. I'm all about it, man. I'll tell you what. I will talk to you about jumps and chants and all the other things. And, and then that's my lovely wife. We've been married 28 years. And uh, she's a Cajun. Blessed family. So let's dive into this idea of how do you handle spiritual warfare? Is it true? Is it a reality? Is it just a bunch of hocus pocus? What's the true thing? And so we're just not going to answer it on ourselves. I'm not a, a demonologist where I can get up here and sort through all those things, but I do believe in the Bible. And what I love about the Bible, the Bible is clear and the Bible is comfortable with talking about spiritual warfare. It's not an uncomfortable topic for the Bible, neither is the end times. So you can approach it biblically. The Bible understands the pull and the tug that happens in our life, but it offers hope and healing for us when we go through dark seasons or things happen that don't seem right. Something's going on with our kids. Something's happening, and there's got to be more than what we see with our eye. There's something below the surface that's going on. And, and thank God we're not alone, but the Bible's figured it out for us. And we're going to look at how Jesus handled. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for this awesome church and friends and our pastors and what's happening at every campus. Thank you for a generous church and that's going to make a difference in people's lives, even this week, responding. So, Lord, talk to us for a few minutes, Father. Sometimes we go through seasons that um, we, we realize there's something behind the curtain of the natural. Something's happening. And sometimes we don't understand it. Lord, sometimes it even brings fear, panic, anxiety into our life. Lord, even there's times we feel hopeless. But, Lord, I thank you that your word gives us help and gives us healing. And, Lord, I thank you that you provide answers for us on how to handle spiritual warfare in our life. We love you so much in Jesus' name. And everybody said a good amen. Once you turn to the person next to you and say, I'm glad you made it to church today. Come on, be real nice. Look at the other person that was your second choice and tell them, you look like you could use a little church, my friend. A little church. My friend, you my friend. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 13, probably gives us the best picture. It's very eye-opening, and it gives us a description of what we face in life. It helps us to realize that there are things, there are realities uh, that are seen and unseen. It says, verse 10, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God, and here's the reason why. So that you may can take a stand against the devil's schemes. Where devil there is diabolos, it means the slander, the liar. Schemes is the word that we get methods from. Strategies, tricks, uh, st- uh, 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 steps and devices. So the Bible says that you need to put on the full armor of God that you can stand against the lies and the schemes, the tricks, the methods for our struggle. See, it talks about a struggle. It's not against flesh and blood, but it is against something. It's against the rulers, against the authorities, 
against the powers, watch what it says, of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. So Ephesians, Paul is very comfortable in describing that there is a spiritual dynamic that comes against us in our life, but he doesn't leave us there in the spookiness or the unknown or the scariness of all that. He goes on to say, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, when those things break out in your life, when those things attack you, when they come against you in your life, what does it say? You may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, stand. See, Ephesians is here to help us realize that there are things, there's, a, there's, a, there's an evil behind certain things. We don't understand it. It describes that there are spiritual forces. It mentions that there are really two types of forces. There's the devil and his demons, but it doesn't leave it there. It's also Jesus and his angels, and there's a reality to it. There's a reality of spiritual warfare. That's why you asked about it. That's why we want to do all we can to help you understand what does the Bible say and how do we handle when there's spiritual warfare or spiritual dark things or evil things that are going on in our life and they don't make sense. I love what C.S. Lewis says because I think he sums it up because sometimes we're not sure if it's real, but the Bible is very sure that it's real. So C.S. Lewis said it this way. He said, the problem is most people either overestimate or either underestimate spiritual warfare. Where, where everything is a devil. I don't know if you ever run those person that everything's a devil. I didn't get my dry cleaning. It's a devil. It's a devil in the house. No milk for my cereal. Big devil. My wife is full of the devil. Come on, somebody. You know, he's, he's devil, devil, devil. Everywhere is a devil. He says that the problem is when people overestimate. Everything, the devil's in charge. Devil's in control. Devil maybe do it. You know, the, devil's in, he's, the devil is the puppeteer, and I'm just the puppet of the devil. I can't. And he, the, see, Lewis is saying that's a problem when we overestimate that. But he also says it, there's a problem when we believe nothing is the devil, that everything's just luck. Or, or happenstance, or just things that are going on. I love how he says this. He says, The devil likes when we overbelieve or we underbelieve. He just doesn't want us to Bible believe. Come on, can I have a better amen? By, what does the Bible have to say about it? What does Scripture, how can it help us navigate the maze and the thoughts and the beliefs? of spiritual warfare, because it's real. I remember when we started our church in Baton Rouge, Healing Place, and, uh, you know, we had some growth, and, and you know, we, we, start, we were so young. Glenn was 23 years old. I was 28 years old. We were babies, and uh, we kind of grew a little bit for the first year. You know, when you grow a little bit, people know about us, so they want to call and talk to you. A buddy of mine from Homa, Louisiana, he called me. He said, man, I heard you're growing that church like crazy. I think we'd had like 50 people there on Sunday. It was huge. It was massive. And so he's like, man, I heard you just blowing it up. Man, we're doing the same thing down here. We're setting record attendance in our, our church. Whoa, that's Homa. And he says, I want you to come down and do some extended meetings. I don't know about that. He said, just come in. We're going to do meetings. Well, what that means is, is you do a, a Sunday morning, a Sunday night, and then you, you, you come back on Monday night, and then you do a Tuesday morning uh, Bible study, and then you do a Tuesday night meeting, and then you do a Wednesday morning prayer, 
And then you do a Wednesday night meeting. They called it a revival. And if you're really good, we may extend it through the weekend, my brother. So it's going to be strong. It's a, I was like, I've never done that. I don't even know anything about that. And so uh, he sends me some posters or advertising all over Homa. And it's like a word explosion, breaking the chain. Come in here, pastor, evangelist, bishop, and teacher, Dino Rizzo. And I had a picture of me, and I was like, how many knows every preacher got a picture like this right here? This is spiritual. These posters were powerful. Just touch God. It's just breaking the chain. So it gets close to the meetings. Or I'm letting everybody know we're going down to home. We're doing a revival. Extended meetings. Load up that morning, me and my, my wife in our Toyota Celica, which was a very revivalist car during those days. Couldn't afford a Lincoln Continental, so I got a Toyota Celica. And so, uh, anyway, so we drive down to, to Homa, and we, I'm looking for the Coliseum, the arena, the field house, and none of that. It's in a neighborhood. We're up in a subdivision. And we pull up in a subdivision. He's at a house. I'm just like, this has got to be the wrong address. We're, we're at a house, and it's like a remodeled garage, sort of remodeled, kind of halfway remodeled garage. And the guy walks out. He's like, good morning, Pastor. Welcome. Welcome. So we come by your house, eat some eggs, and then we go into the arena. What are we doing at your house? He said, no, we're right in here. The facility, the, the, the sanctuary, the tabernacle is right in here. Just roll up. It's just a garage. And uh, it's like 10 chairs, just a few people, no stage, no sound system. Just uh, We're just there. And, 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 you know, chair. I'm not talking about like metal chairs. I'm talking about like plastic yard chairs. You know them little 6 99 yard chairs. There's some yard chairs up in there. And, and, and so we, I go up in there. We, let's start. Let's start church. No band, no worship leader, no, just, just acapella. Just, uh, and and we're, we're just kind of humming through songs. Uh, uh, just, would you like to sing? She'll be coming around the mountain when she comes. I mean, it was just weird and awkward. And Okay. So we're, and, and how many knows when you're in a small group, it's harder to sing? You got worship like this, phenomenal music, yeah. But it's just a few of us, and you're kind of real tight. We're kind of sitting in a little, little group where we, you, you know, you're singing, and people are right there singing back at you. So it's super embarrassing. And uh, then I'm gonna preach the word explosion, and we're we're gonna break the chain as I sit in a plastic chair and break a chair because uh, I'm not a medium. But anyway. Uh, um, so, so this, we're doing, we're, we're in the middle of worship and a lady walks in and, uh, sits down in, in the group and just begins to weep while we're singing. She stands up and, and begins to weep angrily. She's, it's an angry cry. And I begin to listen and I realize something's going on that's just beyond, behind those tears. There's something beyond the veil. There's a pain. There's a hurt. There's a struggle. She begins to weep uncontrollably in an angered fit. It's just, I mean, we're right, in, nobody hiding. She's right there. And, and, and the pastor's just not looking, and I'm like, do you see this? She goes to the ground and begins to wail and squirm on the ground. He's just singing songs. I know it's normal. Do, we, do you do this every Sunday? Is this a part of the flow or Finally, he gets done, and we get done, and there's it's silence, awkwardly. She, I look over. She looks up at me and looks in my eye, and I'm telling you right now, the Bible says the, the eyes are the window to the soul. There, there's a storm. There's something. There, there's a pain. There's a hurt. Something's up. And I leaned over and I said, what are you, you going to do about this? 
I'll never forget what he said to me in Homa, Louisiana. He said, you're the evangelist. You handle it. Oh, I see how this is. I see how this is. And I remember the fear. Let me tell you something, church. Fear jumped on me. I thought, what in the world am I going to do about that? I, I don't have anything. I don't, know how, I don't know how to fix her. I don't know what to do about that. What am I going to do? I grabbed my wife's hand and said, we've got to, we've got to cross over this room. And we, we've got to go deal with that. And my wife's looking at me, and all, I, she just starts praying. I remember I leaned over and said, sing, sing a song about the blood of Jesus. Just sing something. She starts singing. I'm nervous. I'm nauseated. Everybody's waiting on the evangelist. And as soon as I take the first step, the scripture hit me in my head. And it said in John, 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, For this purpose was the Son of God manifested, that he might destroy the works of the evil one. And what I realized at that moment is I don't need to cross the room. I need to let Jesus cross the room. That I can't fix her. I can't handle her. I don't know what's going on. I didn't, I, it's not my role. It's not my responsibility. I can't save anybody. I can't heal anybody. I can't set anybody free. I'm not anybody's source. I'm not anybody's answer. But if I'll step over there in the power and the name of Jesus Christ and let the goodness of God and the Holy Spirit minister to her and just allow myself to be nothing but a paper plate. Come on, somebody. Because he's the main event. He, he's the main thing. He's the main course. And I remember we went over there and we just said in Jesus. We just lifted up Jesus. Because that's, that's what. He's already fought that battle. He's already won her victory. He's already paid for that sin. He's already paid for that pain. He's already paid for that struggle. The problem that we run into is when we think we're fighting it on our own. I got to deal with this. I got to handle this. No, Lord. I just want to be a paper plate because it's, it's you. You're the one. You're the answer. You're the healer. Remember, we ministered. We prayed for her. She calmed down. Throughout that week, you could see a freedom come into her life. I'll never forget the last night. She was just in freedom. She told us what she had been through, what she had allowed into her life, and what others had done to her. And there was a pain, and there was an evil scheme, and, and there was a struggle that was deep in her soul. But I saw a freedom that came over to her life, not because we prayed for her, because we stood in what Jesus had already done. I remember she looked at us, she said, boy, I just feel like the door has been opened. And I, I never forget what she said. And something was let out, and something was invited in. I said, wow, what a truth. What a truth. So, so how do we walk through it? Well, I think the case study is Jesus. If you had a case study in spiritual warfare, it would be Jesus and how he handled that, that duel in the desert, what I call in Matthew chapter 4, where Jesus is in the desert and the, the enemy comes to him early in the very beginning of the ministry to try to destroy our Savior, to try to come to him at a moment and destroy and make the Savior doubt his calling. And, and he brings temptation and he brings accusation. Always remember this, that normally spiritual warfare is bookend by temptation and accusation. You can write that one down. Most spiritual warfare is snuggled up between those dirty, rotten twins. Temptation and accusation. The devil wants to tempt you, and then he wants to accuse God and tell you what God can't do. And he did this to Jesus. I'll, I'll read it to you, and you can see these things unfold in Matthew chapter 4. My Bible, in the heading of my Bible, says the temptation of Jesus. It says when Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert 
Look what it says. To be tempted by the devil after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter. So the devil is called the tempter there. The tempter came to him and said, if, 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 if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered and said, it, it, it is written, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes or proceeds out of the mouth of God. So the enemy comes to Jesus and tempts him with hunger because he'd been fasting, tempted him with a natural thing, but then accused Jesus that God was not there to provide for him. Can I tell you one of the greatest temptations and one of the greatest accusations during your battle will be that, that the enemy will accuse that God will not provide for you. You cannot trust him. He's not loyal. And you're going to be all alone. You're going to lose everything. It's one of the ways that spiritual warfare rages in our heart. We get fear in our life. And we, don't do, we do not believe that God is going to provide for us. It's a spiritual warfare dynamic. Here's the second one. We can see all these steps here. So the devil left. And it says in, in verse 5, Then the devil took him to the holy city and made him stand on the highest point of the temple. If, there's that word again, if, if you are the son of God, could be, not sure, if, possibly, if you're the son of God, he said, why don't you throw yourself down? Then he says this, it is written. So the devil knew that Jesus had used the word, so now he's trying to play that hand against him. He says, oh, well then, if you're going to go that route, then let me just, let me just reinforce this idea you know, that's, you know, uh, won't he command the angels concerning you and they will lift up you in their hands and so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Well, here's the interesting thing is it's not the exact scripture that the devil quoted because the devil is always going to edit or revise anything that God says about you. You never believe what the devil says about spiritual things. It's hard to believe when you're tempted in accusation and spiritual warfare. You don't believe any of that. And so Jesus, I love, he says, Jesus said, oh, if you've come to me with if, I'm going to come back to you with it. It is written, do not put the Lord our God to a test. And so that finishes up. So what is he doing? He's doubted. He, he's tried to bring doubt to God, to Jesus about God's provision. Now in this spiritual warfare, he's using another tactic. This is important. He says, well, then God's not going to protect you. So often in spiritual warfare, we begin to doubt that God will protect us. Can God protect my family? Can God protect my finances? Can God protect my children? Even though things are a little crazy, so there's a provision attack. There's a protection attack. So we finish up with the last temptation. Again, the devil stood to him on a very high mount, showed him the kingdoms of the world and all their splendors, said, I'll give all this to you. If, there's that word, if you will bow down and worship me and Jesus said, I love this statement, away from me, Satan. Away from me. It's almost as if when you study it in the Greek, Jesus just kind of like took a broom and swept him out. Just said, shoo, 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 shoo. Away, 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 away. What did he do that with? With the word of God. He says, It is written, worship the Lord thy God, and serve him only. So here's what happens. I want you to get this. So the devil came to Jesus with a lot of ifs. But Jesus came back to him with a it. When we're in a spiritual battle, you will choose if or it. If God will help me. If God will come through. If God will free my son. If God will save my marriage. When we should be saying, it is written. 
It is written. It is written. That's the promise. That was how this duel went down. And Jesus just finally said, away from me, Satan. Shoe fly, shoe fly. I think sometimes in our mind, when we think of spiritual warfare, we think that it's like Darth Vader. You know, Luke. And then like Jesus is like Luke Skywalker, like the young one, like, oh, hello. And he opens up his lifesaver. It's like red and huge. And there's little Luke Skywalker, his little lifesaver. And it's like this struggle. And they go from one level, and then they fall down and roll on the ground. And it's like some equal match. Can I tell you something? This is not a 50-50 match. It's not like it's Rocky and Apollo, and they're trading blows. Rocky, get up! Adrian, help him! This is not biblical spiritual warfare. Jesus overcame. He is the Lamb of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. The devil is not an equal match. It's not like it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers playing the New Orleans Saints. It's not how it works. Jesus is the Almighty One. He has overcome Death, hell, and the grave. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give you life and give you more of an abundant life. So Jesus, get this, get this. The devil is not an equal match to our Savior. It's not, it's not the same thing. You have to rest and trust and the King of Kings. I wrote this the other day in my journal about spiritual warfare that as a family we walk through. Here's how I kind of explained it in my, my trying to understand it for our family. Spiritual warfare is not me alone against the evil, insidious devil. No, it's my surrender to the truth of God's word and to every if the devil gives me Jesus gives me a greater it. So I have to stand on God's word and God's truth. Now, I'm going to break it down. I'm going to give you three simple steps that I believe can, you, can, you can remember. And they're a little catchy, so you can, it can help you to how do you handle spiritual work. What are the keys to, 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 the, to the things that come against us? They're, they're very simple because I, I, I really believe that we need to make it personal. I know that that's what this church is all about. That's what your pastor's heart is about. Uh, we want to help you. That's why we do a series like this. We want to help you. And, and, and I wrote these three down, these personal steps. They're at a personal level uh, of how to handle spiritual warfare when it comes against your home, your children, in the workplace, your business, your health, and a thousand other ways. The first one is this, expect it. You're setting yourself up for a problem when you do not expect that the devil does not hate you. And the devil does not want to destroy your life. You just got to expect it. You don't, don't be surprised when the enemy comes against your life. Oh, my goodness. Oh, it's going to happen. Car's going to break. Daughter's not going to make volleyball. I understand. I get it. It's just, you know, son's going to get a speeding ticket after he got one about a month ago. I'm just burying my soul. Confession's good for the soul. I'm just saying, things are going to happen in your life. Going to go to the doctor. Hmm. Hmm. 
Let's recheck that again. Things are going to happen. Expect spiritual warfare. Just expect that there's going to be a battle. And some days, I cannot live on autopilot and cruise control. There are some days I need to stand in the power of God's word. There are some days I need to stand on God's promise. There are some days I need to get somebody to agree with me. There are some days I need to come forward at the close of a service like you can today and get somebody to pray with me. Because I'm going to have to stand to be able to get back in this school again. I'm going to have to stand to be able to face the situation. I'm going to have to stand to deal with those difficult people that i got to deal with on Thursday. I've got to stand for some. So let's expect it. There are some days you got to stand. Here's the second thing that I believe helps us in handling spiritual warfare is to detect it. Hmm. This isn't normal. Something is coming against my marriage. Something's up. Even though my husband's a little crazy, it's probably the devil. He's a little devilish, but he's not a devil. Something's happening in the workplace. There is an attack there is a scheme. There is a multiple of methods that is coming against my mental capacity right now. I feel overwhelmed. I don't have one issue. I have 10 issues happening all at the one time. You know what that means? You need to detect that something's going on. So what do you do at that point? You lean into Jesus. You detect it. You lean into Jesus. You lean into prayer. You lean into the word of God. You lean into a small group. It's not the time to, to drift away from church. If you're detecting something's, whoo, something's up. It's a time to, to run to church. So we, we, we expect it, how to handle it. We detect it. And then the last one I believe is so important. And Jesus did this. You reject it. You reject it. I'm not going to believe that lie. That is not true. Uh, God is going to protect my family. Psalms 91 says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. My children are under God's shadow. Even though I haven't heard from them for a month, even though I don't know what they're doing right now, my children are under the shadow of God. I claim it. What are you doing? You're rejecting that lie that your children are not. You know, you know what? I know we're having some problems in my marriage, but you know what? I believe in forgiveness. I, forg- I choose to forgive that person. What are you doing? You're rejecting it. Because that's what Jesus did. He rejected the accusations of the devil that said, God is not there for you. God's not going to come through for you. You can't trust God. Other people that are living their, their, a crazy life have a better situation than you have, and you're serving God. Look what has happened since you started serving God. Look at how all your friends are so blessed and they're so pretty and their nails look so good. Look how their hair looks so good. And look at you. You can't get your nails done. Well, it's the accusations of the enemy, and you have to reject that with the Word of God. That I am blessed coming in and going out. I am the head and not the tail. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And Lord, bless my nails. Come on, somebody. You reject it. That's what Jesus did. You reject it. Now let me finish. If you're here today and you say, Dino, I'm, I'm in a spiritual battle. The best thing you can do is when you're under a spiritual attack 
is surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Surrender your life to Jesus. Just decide, I got to lean into Jesus. I got to lean into Jesus. That's the best thing in the world you can do. You say, well, I got problems. I got things going on. I got, I, got, I got some battles. Can I tell you something? You're in a church. I want you to hear this real well. I can speak on behalf of your pastors. You're in a church that if you're in a battle, you belong here. This is a place of belonging. The idea that you only belong in church when there are no battles is not true. There's no, there's no better place to be when you're in a battle than in the belonging of the body of Christ. I want to encourage you today that if you're here and you're walking through a spiritual warfare, you're under spiritual attack, something's going on that doesn't seem normal, that doesn't seem like it's just an average situation, turn your life over to Jesus. And if you've already done that, then lean in and get some people around you. Don't do life alone. The devil loves to isolate us. In our problems. The devil loves to grab us away and get us out of the group. Let me tell you something. If you're going through something, you need the God squad. Come on, somebody. You need some people up in your life that will stand with you and believe with you and, 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 and hope the best and believe the best and say, I know, I know what you're going through. I went, you need some team. You need some people around you. You know, I love, I, I like your pastor, I love being able to take the gospel around the world, and we, we travel, we, we do similar things, and I love Africa, and, and every time I'm watching television, I see a, a documentary on Africa, or National Geographic, Discovery, those things, I always watch them, and it seems like every one of them always has the same scene, there's some, there's some uh, you know, impala, or some wildebeest group, and there's some lions, or leopards, that are trying to hunt them down, you know, oh, and every time there's always some wildebeest or always some impala that wanders from the pack just over there. Oh, there's a butterfly. And he walks off. You're like, oh, no, 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 no. There's a lion over there. And you're getting ready to be guacamole and chips. Come on, somebody. You're getting ready to be the appetizer. Stay in the pack. Stay in the squad. Don't go over there. There's always one of them that just wants to wander off. Y'all don't know anything. I like the grass over here. I'm going to go do my own thing. And as soon as he gets over there, the lion's like, check this out. Look at yeah, yeah. He's, he's away from the pack. This is awesome. As soon as he gets far enough from the pack, you know, it's just like, he's gone. He's gone. He with Jesus. He with Jesus. He sees the Lord. He just stayed in the pack. Stay in the pack. Stay in, stay in the group. Can I tell you something? The enemy's always trying to isolate us. God doesn't care about you. You can't trust him. He doesn't know what's best. There's no provision. There's no protection. God's promises are kind of mm, iffy. The Bible says it is written. That's our hope, amen? Let's bow our heads. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. And Lord, I just thank you that this is a house and this is a church. And if we're in a battle, we belong here. At every campus, if you're in a battle, you belong right where you're at. If you're watching online, you belong in this community of faith. I pray for every person. In just one moment, our campus pastor is going to come and give you that opportunity to take that next step. They're going to give you an opportunity at the end of the service to come forward for prayer because some of you right now, you're in a spiritual world. There's something going You can't even figure it out. It doesn't make any sense to you. Don't go to that car. Don't leave. 
to have somebody pray with you. How important is it? That could be the very moment where hope comes alive. Lord, I just pray for every person today who's in, who's in a spiritual battle. Lord, I pray that in just, just the next few moments, they will whisper the name of Jesus. They will turn to Jesus. Lord, sometimes all you need to hear from us is, I need you. I need you, Lord. I can't do this on my own. I can't fix it. I need you, Jesus. Lord, I think you love when people call your name. So, Father, intervene with every person who feels overwhelmed. Feels like they're, they're kind of in the ring. They're getting beat. Lord, I pray like a, like a tag team, we will, we will tag our Savior. We invite you into our ring, our life, our heart. Be our Lord today and be our Savior in Jesus' name. Amen.